We in, in Christopher Fellowship, we have a, a thing we say all the time. We're not a perfect church or perfect people. We're here because we know we need God's help. And he's provided that help to Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that's our identity of who we are. We know that we're messed up. So you don't have to tell us and you don't have to talk about us when you go home. We already know it. The thing that you need to talk about is the fact that we know Jesus is the answer. And he's come into our life to be the answer. And God is changing us. And so when you see people that don't measure up to your standard, make sure you do. Because Jesus said... Whatever standard you judge others by, that's the way you'll be judged. That doesn't mean you can drop the bottom out of it and make it. God set the standard, it's Jesus, and so make sure you keep your eyes focused there and meet God's standard in your life, and everybody's going to be good. But if you're not, you're not. So remember who we are, why we're here. It's all about Jesus, and uh, God is doing cool stuff. The nursery will be open after the service for you guys to do a little open house if you haven't been over there. There's opportunities for you to serve in the Kids XP, the nursery area, uh, hospitality, security, cafe, you name it. We have stuff that's going on. So with that, I want you to know that we're starting something new. And uh, we have on our website, if you go on the website, which is cffTucson.com, which is probably your homepage on your computer, I'm sure, so that when you turn it on, it's automatically there. But if you go there and you look in that section of what's going on, there's a place for you to click on a free uh, site where you can go and take a spiritual gifts test. It doesn't cost you anything, just a couple minutes of your time. be important for you to do that. If you haven't done it yet, maybe you did it years ago, it's time to revisit it. Go ahead and click on that. Go there and take the spiritual gifts test. They will email you the results, and you can forward those to the office because we want to know about you. We want to know what God's doing in your life. We want to help you. We're here as the church body to serve him. And so the best way to do that is begin the process of asking God, where does he want me? And the best thing to do is to know how you're wired and how he made you. All right, and so that's one of the things that we're looking at, and we would love for you to join us in that. That would be awesome. So go ahead and check that out and do it. And uh, we'll have some new classes starting uh, in the beginning of January, both here on Sunday morning and throughout the week as well. The next thing is, is of course, you know we have a toy run next Saturday, full throttle. Uh, We will be, that's our motorcycle ministry if you're new here and uh, new online. We have a motorcycle ministry that does toy runs. They're happening all this month. Everybody's doing them all around town. And so we're going to do ours a little bit different. We're bringing the toys here, and then we're going to go specifically to places. We've already identified some families in need. I know there's tons of people in need. Don't misunderstand me. But we're not taking any more names at this time because we're specifically planning. On Monday, I'll have a route laid out. We'll know where we're going. And we're going to end up in an apartment complex on the south side of Tucson. And uh, we've talked with the uh, management, and the the residents are expecting us, and they're excited that we're coming, and we're going to go to that site. We want you to know you're welcome to join us, okay? It's not just for motorcycles. We want you to be here. Kickstand's up this Saturday. When you see the KSU, it's not, we're not Kansas State fans. Don't even care about them. Uh, I mean, if you do, that's great. But, I mean, I'm just saying, like, what, what it is is kickstand's up. That's just something that we uh, use to tell us to know, like, we're moving. At 10 a.m. this Saturday, we'll be moving down the road to deliver those gifts. So thank you for those of you that have already donated. And if you haven't yet, please donate. An unwrapped new toy for any kid's age from uh, zero to teenager. All right? So we'll be going, and we want to have those gifts to hand out to the children. Thanks again for all you're doing, and join us with that. Did you spend some time with God this week in his word? Yes. Did you share God's story with someone this week? Yes. An amazing opportunity, huh? God has invited us for this year. We gave you a goal for our year of each one of us reaching one and teaching one what it means to be a follower of Christ. And that is the Great Commission in Action, which is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, right? So God has called us to be his missionaries wherever we are. 
So you don't have to go out looking for them. I want you to know they live with you. They live next to you. They work with you. They are at your places where you regularly go for coffee, groceries, shopping, whatever's happening. Those are the people that God has in your circle of influence, and those are the ones he's calling you to be a missionary to. Take advantage of it. This is the time of year that everybody's looking at Christmas. Share the good news. It's all about Jesus. Amen? Take advantage of it. Are you knowing what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Are you giving as God has asked you to give in your time, talents, and resources? Good deal. All right, then, let's just move on. As we celebrate today, today is the second Sunday of Advent, which is obviously the Sunday of? Thank you. It is. Last week was hope. Today is peace. Joy and love will follow as we celebrate this incredible time of year. So as we celebrate peace today, I want to read to you the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. You ready for God's word? At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Um, before I read any further, I haven't said this in any other services, but just to help you, if some of you don't believe in God's word or you're kind of skeptical of the Bible, it's pretty cool how God just drops in these little time frames to like, go ahead and study history. Just go look. This was happening. And it's pretty cool that he had these authors insert these things where we just go back and like, oh, this is what's happening. And then when we begin to look at those scholars that recorded history, like we have history recorded for us, we find the mention of this Jesus in that day, not just in scripture, but in historical records by a man named Josephus who recorded history for us in this day. Pretty cool, man. So I just wanted to point that out to you, just so you know, like you can be skeptical if you want, but God's God and he's got this and he's trying to share something with us. And today's account is just an amazing thing. We were just singing about it. This was the first census taken when Quirinus was governor of Syria. Pretty cool that it's designated and specific, isn't it? All right. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. Listen, church, I gotta have, I'm interrupting this again, but you got to hear it. It's so cool. God's actually working through politics and politicians. And they're not serving him. These guys weren't serving him. The Roman emperor was a pagan. Seriously, think about it. But guess what? God had a plan. And even those ungodly pagan politicians who wanted money, God worked through. Thank you, Jesus. All right, enough of that. Let's get away from the politicians and get back to God's word. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. Break again. So here's Joseph going back to Bethlehem. Do you think he was excited about traveling with the pregnant woman back to Bethlehem? God was involved. Doesn't mean the journey was fun. Doesn't mean that Mary wasn't like, this is the best pregnancy in the world and I feel amazing. <laughs> right? I mean, the, the most, every woman that's pregnant wants to go walk hundreds and hundreds of miles, don't they? I mean, here we go, right? So God's doing something. God's doing something. 
But when we read the story and we think about the outer circumstances of things, I don't want to go to Bethlehem. I don't care if you want to count me. I don't care about your taxes. I don't care about, guess what? God's doing something. Maybe you should stop complaining about what's going on around you and start looking for what God's doing. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he went to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And when they were there, the time of her baby, her time came for a baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Hallelujah, man. That's awesome, isn't it? And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. Man, is that cool stuff, isn't it? See, the idea of Christmas and what we're doing, like we don't know exactly the month and day of Jesus' birth. The church fathers in history designated December 25th for us to celebrate Jesus. Okay, I know there's a pagan holiday. Don't Google stuff. Just live with God, would you? All right, seriously. It drives me crazy when we're like, oh, we shouldn't be celebrating. That was a pagan holiday. Glad it's a pagan holiday. Screw them. This is all about Jesus, right? All right. I mean, sorry for my French. No. Um, but it's the only word in French I know. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, stay focused. Come on. All right. So see, the idea of Christmas and, and the reason we celebrate this is we're celebrating that God's good to his word. It's, it's not about the day. It's about what it is. It's the good news that God is good to his word. A promise has been fulfilled for us that God has been given to humanity since sin entered the world. And we in the church, looking back in history, we see it. Look, church, we've been reading about it. We know the sin problem. We know how it came. We know that God promised an answer to it. We know we established a religious practice of sacrifices because we were broken and messed up. And we know we need God. And therefore, he said, you need to worship me and come to me in this way. We saw how they were practicing that. Now we today look in history and say, there it is. It happened in Bethlehem. There it is. It happened on Mount Calvary. There it is. It happened in Jerusalem when the, when the Holy Spirit spirit came down we look in history and it's like god is good to his word so church what we are celebrating this christmas season is that god is good to his word he does what he says he'll do he is the hope it's jesus that's what we talked about last week the hope of redemption has come we in the church know this don't we church okay 
So we know that the hope of God's redemption was realized in Jesus Christ. And therefore, this entire season, all four Sundays of Advent, and some of you started in September, but don't forget, (laughs) don't forget that it's about Jesus. Okay? All right, so now let's stay with this idea of what God's saying to us. God says that there's this hope of salvation, redemption. Yes, Jesus, the Messiah, the Lord, the Savior of the earth has been born to you. And therefore, we in the church looking back say, wow, he is our hope. And therefore, we understand because we know he is our hope that he is also our peace. Right? For everyone who puts their hope in him, their trust, their faith, their belief receives peace. Okay, church, so here's accountability question number one. Why is it that this very season that proclaims all of this to us that we're celebrating brings anxieties, fears, worries, and tension and stress amongst Christians? It's like, wait a minute. Church, this is the season of hope and peace and joy and love. And yet we're living in anxieties and worry and stress and fear. And we're the church. I watch, and I've been a pastor for 30, uh, about 32 years, I think it is. I was trying to do the math so I could say it to you and not say 30-something, but I don't know, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Been it long enough that I know that I've been around you all a long time. And I know that Christian people get all freaked out and anxious at this time of year. You know, I, I don't mean this wrong. You've got to hear what I'm saying. Like, we're, we're um, extra needy. I'll just say it nicely. <laughs> like right now, it's like, oh, I need this. And I need help now. And for some reason, the need rises at this time of year when we celebrate the answer. Something's not right. Something's not right, church, seriously. Something's not right in our Christian practice of our faith when we become more needy for what we think we need in the time that we are to celebrate the answer to our need. So it's time for us to kind of have a little reality check about our faith. So prior to Jesus coming, we know this. We've not only studied it in Scripture, we know this by practice, but we also know it in history. Humanity was broken in sin and there was no answer. The sacrificial system that God established through Moses, which the practice of Judaism, was an ongoing sacrificial system that never ended because the sin problem was never answered okay so that's why sacrifices did not stop therefore i'm gonna you guys right here in the front row i just want you to know right here you're gonna be bringing your sacrifices for the rest of your life you're gonna bring them the rest of your life and your life and your life and your life and your guess what your kids would have to do the same your grandkids would have to do not only are you bringing your sacrifices regularly but you recognize that each time you bring it that nothing has changed in your life 
And that is why you're bringing the sacrifices because you've recognized that I cannot meet God's standard. And I am very well aware that I can't meet His standard. And He has said, if you want to come to Me, this is how you come to Me. With your sacrifices and offerings. And you come and meet Me here. Because this is where I am. And so we're always looking up. Like, I want to be there, God. I want to, here, take this. Forgive Me again. Cover this. That was history. That's the way it was for everybody. And so those who did not follow or practice the sacrificial system, they were still searching and longing. They were trying. They were following pagan gods and pagan faiths, and they were trying to find the answer to the inner turmoil that was sin and brokenness inside of them. Church, once Jesus came, and he was offered as the sinless sacrifice for you and I, the sacrificial system was nullified and cast aside and worthless. Church, we did not, man, we did not have to keep bringing sacrifices because the one sacrifice that met God's standard has now been made and we do not have to continuously go back and go back and go back because the the sin problem has been corrected in Christ and therefore we come once. I am not telling you you only have to ask forgiveness once because I know you guys. But I'm telling you that the sacrifice only had to be made once. Now then, as we consider this and think about this, the sacrifice was made, God's demand for a life was met in Jesus, and this is why when the angels proclaimed on that day, Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. Man, something has just happened, everybody. And we ought to be celebrating because the answer has come. The long-anticipated promise of God is now realized in the flesh of Jesus Christ. This salvation that only Christ can bring is the only thing that will ever bring peace within. Ever. And you will not find peace in your soul any other way. Church, this truth is known by every one of us in this room. We know this truth because prior to Jesus in our own life, we sought to find the answer for the inner turmoil. And the way we sought for the answer was through substance, which brought forth addiction, which brought forth bondage, which brought forth inner turmoil. We sought it in relationships with people of the opposite sex and some the same sex. And we looked for that answer for the inner turmoil. And as we pursued that and we found that relationship, we found a temporary peace that dissolved into inner turmoil. And then we were seeking material things and we thought that the next thing would be the answer and I'd finally be satisfied and I would find what I've been looking for and I find that after I have it in a little while, all I feel is inner turmoil. No peace. Each time that lack of peace would surface and my brokenness would be present and I was empty. Now, church, 
all of you that have received Christ as your Savior, you know that when you came to Christ, that affirmation of the Holy Spirit that you were a child of God was realized in you by a peace that you never had before. That is the affirmation of God that he puts inside of us because we're seeking that peace. We're looking for that love relationship that satisfies, that breathes peace within to settle the inner turmoil of my brokenness. And Jesus provides it. Listen to Galatians 5 here. I've read these verses. We're going to read them again. Here you go. Listen. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we're, we're talking about prior to Jesus here. So think now, as we look, this isn't a checklist to say, oh yeah, I've done that, done that, done that. No, listen. <laughs> the, the checklist is this. All of us were broken in our sin. And when sin owned us, this is how we engage life. And we know that we engage life that way because we were all looking for something. Something. We didn't even necessarily know what we were looking for, but we were looking. Do you know that God put that inside of us? Thank you, Lord. The Holy Spirit drawing us for an answer. He is the answer. And so as we lived this sort of life, that brokenness, just that inner turmoil, that, that anxiety that was with us just grabbed us. But it doesn't stop there. Because the Apostle Paul, writing to the Galatian church, he's writing to us. And he's like, this is the way you used to live. Remember, if you live that kind of life, you're not going to heaven. Just a reminder, everybody, that if you live that kind of life, you're not going to heaven. Amen. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of the sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Man, that's such a great passage. He's like, you, you remember your brokenness, your screwed up life back there? You remember that? And he's saying, but now that the Holy Spirit is here, he's working in you, and this is what he's bringing about. And he gives us a list of stuff. The attributes of God. See, we existed in the beginning in relationship with God prior to sin. When God created us, this was the natural who we were. We were living in humanity. I'm talking about Adam and Eve. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all that stuff was natural because it is the attributes of who God is. Now, he tells us when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit is now producing these things in us. Why? Because God has restored himself in us. Those of us that have received Christ, 
God has restored us into right relationship with Him. And now the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And what the Holy Spirit is doing is producing the fruit of the Spirit that is not of the flesh because sin was of the flesh. The Spirit produces this. And therefore, the Spirit of God is producing something inside of us. So the Holy Spirit was made available to us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ so that we could have God once again inside Nothing on the outside worked. So the Holy Spirit produces this inside of us as we trust in God. It's a faith work. All right. There's one passage of Scripture that I have given out this past year more than any other Scripture passage. I don't know why. It's become more and more apparent and real to me as we engage this that I see that the church, Christians, are struggling in applying God's word in the everyday life. We're struggling with applying God's word in everyday life. So as we have engaged this set of scripture and working with various people through this, and some of you in this room I've shared that with, and all of you, I believe I've read this in a service or two in the past, but we're going to look at it more in depth right here today. So I'm going to read this to you because what I find crazy about this whole season is, is that when we're talking about peace, joy, love, hope, all these things, love that God pro- provides for us this Christmas season, and then I find that Christians are more as anxious and troubled as the world, that something's not right because we're supposed to be the light of the world. So when I read this scripture to you, I think we're going to find God's answer for us this morning. In Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything how about if we read that one two four words together right out loud you ready don't worry about anything but God (laughs) yeah I mean I understand I'm not supposed to worry and I'm not going to use the word but but you know. <laughs> don't worry about anything. Church, don't worry about anything. This is God's word. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You realize that we have access with the creator of the universe? Because of Jesus, we can boldly come before the throne of God to obtain mercy in our time of need. The Word of God tells us that. You and I have equal access to the Creator of the universe. Man, what are you worried about? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Let's look at the first part again and begin to look at what the Holy Spirit is doing as he's producing peace within us. This part that says, don't worry about anything. Um, here's where we're going to apply the word of God. I'm just going to ask you, this is, an, this is like an action step question in the middle. What's keeping you awake at night? Why do you keep waking up? And when you wake up, you can, get a, you can get help for that. 
So what I'm saying is like, why, what's keeping you awake at night? What is it that when you wake up, there's this thought going in your mind that just continuously is there? What is it that's causing you to grind your teeth? What's doing that? What's happening? What causes you to clench your teeth when it's around? Now, when I, I think about these things, and it's, God tells us, don't worry about anything. Nothing. If you read like in the NIV, I was reading New, Li- New Living Translation, they all say the same thing, but you know, you've read these words, you've heard them, you've seen them in devotion. Be anxious for nothing, it's the same place. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Come on, man. What are we doing? Here's what the Word of God says. He says, don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Just tell God what you need. Okay, tell God what you need. Remember how we were talking about last week in our prayers, and I was telling you, like, um, I was confessing to you, and you didn't have to own it if you don't want to, but I pray, and a lot of times when I'm praying, I expect one answer from God. And, you know, like, that's the way I'm praying is so that he has to answer my prayer like this. And, um, you know, I'm not really, like, thinking I'm manipulating God, but I'm still trying. I'm like, I'm praying, you're God, I get it. I know who you are, man, and I know you can do anything, and therefore, here it is. Do it. That's, the, that's like the simplified version of my prayers, although I can make them very holy-sounding. And then I'm like, God, can you do this and, and do this? And he says, tell me what you need. And then when I'm honest about what's going on in my life, it's like usually I'm really not even talking about a lot of stuff that I need. More about what I want. And, and what I want is my answer. <laughs> and I think I need it. And so I'm praying and I'm, I'm asking God for stuff and I'm saying, Lord, uh, you've invited me to tell you what I need. So wait a minute. Let me unfold this list here. Maybe easier if I just email it to you. <laughs> just upload and take it away because I got a pretty big list. Telling you what I need. There you go. And as I give God my list of things that I need, the next statement says for me um, to thank him for all he's already done. Okay, so he's not just telling me to tell him what I need, but trust him to provide what I actually need. So begin to thank him. See, so now as I think back and I look, and I look back at what God's done, church, man, oh man, listen, we can just look back in history. Let's not even look at Dave's life or your life for a minute. Let's back in history. Look what God's done. Through the brokenness of sin, through the rejection of him, through a people that he tried to call to himself to be his people, they kept rejecting him. He continuously reached out to them. He continuously fulfilled his word to and through them. He brought forth the Savior that he said he would bring in spite of everything that we did to try and stop it. He expressed his love to us in our brokenness and relentlessly pursued us. Look at our own life prior to ever trusting him as our Savior. We rejected him. We rejected the message. We rejected the life. We decided our way was better. Whatever was going on, whatever your decisions were, it was not him. And then we look back at all that and say that, God, you, you, the creator, pursued me that much 
you actually gave your life in order to pursue me so that I could experience peace for me. I look back and I'm like, God, not only did you pursue me relentlessly until I said yes, but after I said yes, you were so intimately involved in my life that you were working at all times, even when I was clueless, even while I was asking for you to answer specific prayers and saying, God, you have to do this. You were working. And because you were working, you didn't do that. Church, thank him for what he's done. I look back in my life and I'm so grateful for the things God has done in spite of me. You all know this. It's not a revelation unless you're new here. I did not want to come to Tucson. I did not want to pastor this church. I earnestly sought God for an answer that was no. You don't have to go there. I begged him. I pleaded with him. You see, I was seriously seeking him. Seriously asking him. But there was only one answer I wanted. You're free, Dave. You don't have to go to Tucson. It's the only answer I wanted. And I earnestly sought his face to have it. But I want you to know this, church, as I've confessed this before to you, in my prayers of asking, there was inner turmoil. There was stress. There was anxieties. There was gnashing of teeth. There was grinding of teeth. There were sleepless nights. And every time I'd open my eyes, the thought was, Tucson, really? There? That? can't be you it can't be your will can't be all the while that I was praying and asking and talking there was this anxiety and fear that was there in my flesh church you know and listen you've been here I know you have because inside I was scared to say yes if that's what you want because I didn't want it but I didn't know. See, now I look back on my life and I'm like, oh God, it was that close to screwing everything up. I would never say no to you, you know that. But I was begging you for a no. I was begging you for anything else. I was begging him. I'm saying, no way. And all God was waiting. He didn't say a word. He didn't have to. Isn't that awesome when he does that to us? You're just waiting. Just waiting. Go ahead. Toss and turn on your pillow. Go ahead and grind your teeth. Go to the dentist. Have them fix them. Whatever. <laughs> Keep it up, man. It's working, isn't it? You're doing good. Man, I'm telling you, church, listen, when you know this, I've shared it with you, and I'm not just talking about this one experience, but I'm using this as a point, is that when I got on my knees on that Tuesday morning at Wayne Michigan, at the altar of the church I was pastoring. And when I got on my knees that day, I'm like, I'm done fighting God. Whatever you want in my life, it's yes. You know what came to me? Peace. The anxieties left. The stress. The fear. The questions. And what entered me was peace. You know what's amazing? 
is that it was still here. It was still Tucson. But there was peace. And guess what? Everything changed because God was given the yes and His peace entered. And see, when I began to live in His peace by my surrender to Him, saying, God, You are amazing and You have proven Yourself true. Therefore, God, I trust You in the moment no matter what it looks like. Peace. So here's the thing, church. As I look, and He says, Thank you. Thank Him for all He's done. I look back in my life, and I cannot tell you how many times that I thought things had to be a certain way. And they never did. But yet I see God. Can you see Him back there? Can you see Him not creating these issues, but working through those issues? Where He is there, and He is present and it's like, man, I was all wrapped up in it. Why? Why? What did I accomplish? I mean, yeah, God's going to work in it now because I'm all stressed, worried, and, and anxious about it. And I'm telling him constantly what he needs to do. So now God's moving. That's why it all came about. And that's why I have peace. Not hardly. The word of God says just stop. Stop. Why are you worrying about anything? anything church isn't that crazy so think about your own life just I don't care if you've only been following him for a week can you see him back there at work can you see him church can I ask you this um, as you look back in your life how often did it happen the way you prayed and asked him <laughs> okay, so why aren't we learning something here? What in the world, man? Do you know what? You know what's causing us these anxieties and fears and stress right now? It's because we're still doing the same dumb thing. We're asking them for the only answer. Instead of asking, telling them what's going on, and then looking and saying thank you, and like, whoa, yeah, you got this. I know you do. You've had it all along. I trust you. Do you trust him? God has come through in every situation. Everyone. Everyone. Not the way I expected, not the way I wanted, but he's always come through. And as a result, it's always right. That's amazing. Because I look back now and I'm like, oh my goodness, man, God. Look, I could have made such a mess of my life by making a Dave decision instead of a surrendered decision. Man, I, Dave doesn't do very well. Why would I trust him? He's proven himself. He's like, he's got a track record too. He does. And it's like, Dave, get out of the way. <laughs> I know all about you. And I am not listening to you any longer. <laughs> That's why we have peace. Because we've learned that we need to listen to him and not me. And guess what the word of God says? Once we surrender that situation, it says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. So church, 
just just to point out a couple obvious things for us, um, like life is going to be difficult for us, right? It's going to be. Sin runs in this world. It's messed up. So um, the only way you're going to have peace is by trusting what he says to us. And he tells me that if I follow his formula, so if you're a list maker, I would encourage you to take these scriptures and break them down in that list. Stop worrying. Pray. Tell him everything. Thank him for all he's done. Just this entire thing that God's asking us to do as we live our faith, because then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can figure out in your own little brain. All right, his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So man, you know what's crazy is he says he'll guard your heart and mind. God will. Peace will. Peace will literally guard your heart and mind. And I'm looking at that, I'm like, wow, man, you know what? When God tells me that he'll guard my heart and mind, I don't have to play head games with the enemy anymore. I don't have to let the world bring their messages to me to mess with me. I don't let, have to let people mess with me and make me feel worthless, have fears and anxieties and stress because I can't do or don't have. God says, I'll guard you. Now, church, temptation comes in the mind. The enemy's always bombarding us. And he's trying to get us to own that lie. Own that doubt. Own that fear. Own that anxiety. Own that stress. Figure it out. Work it out. Make it happen. You don't have to do that. The Word of God gives us an amazing promise. And the application of God's Word in my life is, I don't have to worry about nothing. I just ask God, tell Him what I need. Give it to Him. Thank Him for all He's done. And I trust Him. And now I have peace. Because I've surrendered to who he is in my life and in this situation. So I know he's God and I know he's God of my life, which is God of this situation in my life. So when the application of God's word actually happens in my life, here's the statement I want to make twice. When we follow God's word, we get God's results. When we follow God's words, we get God's results. When we follow Dave's word... We get Dave's results. Whose do we want? See, if you're tired of getting your results, anxieties, worries, stress, fear, why don't you try it God's way? It's like, here it is, God. So now we're applying God's word in our daily life. The Holy Spirit is producing peace in us. And this amazing peace of God is like, man, like nothing else. It doesn't mean anything changes, just so you know. And it, see, one of the things that uh, we, we definitely mess this up in the church a lot of times is we, well, I won't say that. I'll just say, like, a lot of us as Christians have misapplied God's word in our life and understanding and stuff. And so stuff's just going to happen in life that's not fun, and it just happens to everybody, right? It does. And so when we apply God's word in our life, God begins to move and work and we begin to see life through his lens instead of ours the transformation of who i am so now i want to change and so god has invited us into a relationship so that i will engage him a lot of us want god to do everything for us actually all of us want god to do everything for us but god's invited us into a relationship and if you understand relationships both parties have involvement 
And therefore, we have a responsibility in our relationship with God. And he asks us to do things with him, for him, and through him. Okay? So let's see what he's telling us about the next step in this change and the way that we live our lives and that we process God's word and apply it in our life. I want to reread some of those scriptures to you, but we're going to read the next two verses as well. You ready? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So here's what God's saying to us. Now that you know that I've got you, I've got this situation, I've got every situation. Now that you're trusting me and thanking me and you know who I am in your life, he says, now let's, let's stop processing the way we used to. Let's start changing the way our brain works. Let's begin to fix our thoughts. Take captive every thought. Church, begin to own yourself in Christ as the new creation that we are. Begin to fix our thoughts on the things that God is up to. Because you see, when I look back in history, I see God up to all kinds of stuff. Even in the messed up brokenness of the world, I see God moving. All right, so then if I do, he's saying, would you just fix your eyes on what I'm up to? Stop looking at the garbage that's going around you. Stop processing everything through that brokenness. Stop thinking about the negative garbage that's out there in the world. Stop dwelling on the woe is me of society. They are lost. They are broken. They don't have hope. They don't have an answer. They don't know the answer. That's why the whole world around us is broken. We don't need to engage with them. We have got to step above that in the truth of who God is. Church, when you begin to live in the hope of Jesus Christ and you begin to fix your thoughts on the things of God and you begin to celebrate who He is, the whole world's going to look at you and say, what's wrong with you? Amen. Then God's Word says, you have an opportunity to tell them about the hope you have inside of you, that you serve a living God that is above all this brokenness, that He's the answer to the mess in the world. You have the opportunity to be the light and the salt that He asked us to be. We have the answer. He is the hope. He is the peace of the world. Man, stop with the stinking, thinking stuff. Cut it out. Man, we get these messages. Look, you know this. It's the time of year where they try and find a nice story to share with you on the news. It's the only time of the year they do this. It'll only be one story. It'll only last about 30 seconds. Because we got to get back to the woe is me and what's screwed up and messed up. They can tell you something good is happening in the world, but it will follow right afterwards. But it always does because they don't have a hope. So as I look at what God says to me, it's like this. I look back in history again. Governments, they all fall. All of them. They all fall. People have been dying since sin entered the world. The diseases that we're discovering are not new diseases. We just learned about them. People have been dying from them since sin entered the world. See, relationships have been broken since sin entered the world. Confusion 
on sexuality is nothing new. Read the Bible. It was in Genesis. It happened since sin entered the world. The absence of peace in the world is nothing new. So now as we process all these things and I think about it, I'm like, wow, man, the world has been imploding upon itself since sin entered the world. It's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. So the only thing that I know, that I know that I know, I don't have to. (laughs) I've got peace. I've got hope. And my hope and peace has nothing to do with anything in this world. You hear me? My hope and peace have nothing to do with anything in this world. Therefore, when I look to my Savior, my God, I have hope and I have peace that goes beyond all this junk. And therefore, when I fix my mind on the things of God, the true things, the praiseworthy and excellent stuff that God is up to, I'm like, man, oh man, guess what? God can move through the fall of a nation. Wow, that's amazing. God doesn't make nations, well, he does make nations fall, but I'm saying he's not like intricately involved in the brokenness. He's intricately involved in the brokenness to bring about wholeness. This amazing God that we serve is crazy awesome. And therefore, as believers celebrating this Christmas season, it's like, what in the world? Why aren't we celebrating peace instead of um, worrying about our anxieties? See, Jesus told us there's always going to be issues in the world. But he also promised that we would have peace. So like the disciples, we've been looking at this, like our own agenda, our own answers, our own ideas. And the disciples had their ideas about Jesus' ministry and what he was doing. And so when they were looking to Jesus and they were expecting him to establish the uh, government here upon the earth and to overthrow the Romans and all the good stuff they had planned. Jesus is talking to them and see they had this agenda and they were following God and they were all about it and they had an agenda and so Jesus is talking to them about their agenda one day and he's like I just want you to know things are going to get a little crazy coming up I'm warning you it's going to get a little crazy and um, I want you to know that I'm going to get killed by the pagans they're going to kill me he said Gentiles same difference to the Jews I'm going to hand it over to them. They're going to kill me. I will rise on the third day. Like, nothing Jesus was seeing, like, clicked, connected. It was, like, so far from what they were looking for that it was just, like, Peter actually went up to him and said, hey, Lord, uh, that's not going to happen. (laughs) He did. Right? So it's like they're clueless. So Jesus in this teaching to all of his followers that were there with him present, he's like, look, there's something coming. You guys need to know this that's coming that is so critically important for you. Church, would you hear these words that I promised to us and to them in this moment in John 14? But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. 
And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. This is Jesus talking. We just spent this time over here in Philippians listening to what Paul was writing to the church. And guess what? It wasn't a great idea that Paul had. It was Jesus. It was the Word of God. It was the application of what Jesus said He would do for us. And Paul is writing to remind the church, what are you worried about? You know what was happening? The people were being persecuted. They were losing jobs and homes and everything was going wrong because they trusted Jesus. And Paul's like, what are you worried about? Just tell him what you need. You know what he's done. God's good. He's got you. Fix your thoughts on the good stuff that God is doing because all this stuff is passing. Now I look at what Jesus said and it's like, oh my goodness, Paul, you're amazing. You actually heard the message of Christ and you were calling the church to apply exactly what Jesus said. I'm going to give you guys a gift. It's a gift. You can't get it any other way. The world can't provide it for you. You already know this because you've been looking, but I'm going to give you a gift. It's going to be peace and it's going to be in your heart, your mind. So don't be afraid. Don't let that trouble stuff mess with you. Don't. I got you. Thank you, Lord. What an amazing promise. So here we are at Christmas. And we're stressed and anxious and worried about this celebration that's supposed to be about Jesus. Here we are wrapped up in life that's supposed to be about Jesus. And everything that's going on, we find a way to be anxious and stressed and worried. And we're the people of God. And the message to us is, here I am. Trust me. Surrender. I'll give you peace. I am your answer. God, that's amazing. Okay. So now, here's how we do it usually. Here's how some people do it. Not you guys, probably. Rephrasing that. God, take my anxieties and fears away. Take away these things. Lord, take them from me. Just want you to know God doesn't take anything from us. He'll receive anything we give Him. And so when we're praying and we're always asking God to do it, because we just want to stand on the sidelines and just have God do what we want done. And we want God to fix everything. And so we're like, take this, do this, make this happen, God. I, I surrender, it's all yours. And God's inviting us into this relationship of, with Him to trust Him, to engage Him fully. And oftentimes as we're praying and we're asking God to do stuff and we're, we're telling Him to make things happen, we're getting involved and we're messing with what He's trying to do. So here's the, here's the scenario. Some of you parents and grandparents, you're like, oh God, save my kids. They need you, Jesus. Save them. And so, God, we claim Proverbs 22, 6. Raise up with a child in the way you should go. When old, they're not depart from it. God, I own that promise. I claim it over my kids. Now, Lord, save them. And all of us are just waiting for the day they walk through our door and say, I was wrong. You were right. Forgive me. I need Jesus. <laughs> and like, that's the answer we're looking for. And as we process this and we think about this church I want you to hear me 
So here's our kids and our grandkids making decisions in their life, and they're stupid decisions. They're wrong choices. And we watch them fall. And in love, we immediately run in and try and pick them up and fix all their problems. Because we can make it better. God saved them, and God's like, finally, I can do something. They're broken. Wait a minute. Who is that? God, I'm going to help them here. I'm going to fix this problem in their life. And God, you've got to change this scenario. Are you hearing me? God, you've got to change this scenario. You've got to change this situation. Don't let my kids suffer. Don't let them go through this. And God's like, would you get out of my way, please? I'm trying to do something. See, when God's trying to come in, and he's trying to work through that broken place, and he's trying to bring them to an understanding of their need of him. We want everything to be perfect and right, and we want them to come and say yes to him and live a good life and have all the things they need in their life and us to work together and have this amazing future together. And I'm saying, like, church, look back in history. How often does that stuff happen? Now I'm going to look at the present and the future and say, God, all that matters is that they say yes to you. That's all that matters. So therefore, I give you my kids and my grandkids. That doesn't mean I'm not going to pray for them and love them. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to care. It means that I trust you, God, that whatever they face, whatever they're going through, God, you're going to take care of them. You're going to work through it. And God, you care about them more than I ever could. And what you desire with them is a personal, intimate relationship with you that can only be provided through Jesus, not through Dave. Therefore, parents and grandparents, let God answer your prayer. Let God answer your prayer. That doesn't just apply to kids and grandkids. That applies in every area of our life, church. Every area of our life. Take it, fix it. God, no, just surrender and give it to them. I give it to you because that's the only way we'll ever have peace. I got two minutes to be done. So my Christian brothers and sisters, are you taking God's word and applying it where the rubber meets the road? Are you doing it? Okay, so then what are you anxious about? Nothing? What are you worried about? Nothing? So this is the application of our faith. This is where the rubber meets the road. Whatever you're being anxious about, worrying about, trying to fix, trying to do it yourself, probably the area you need to give to God and look back, right? So what are you trying to make happen or not make happen? What are you trying to get involved in? What do you find yourself like trying to fix? I've got a lot of issues, you know that, but I'm saying like I have other like real issues. Like um, they're not, I wish they would be in certain areas and I could change it, but it's not like the way it works, you know. I just have this thing when I walk in and I see things that are out of balance. Like I have a very critical eye about that. And it drives me nuts when I see things out of line. Like, I'll look at vehicles, and it's like, if the trim's not perfect, I'm like, I wouldn't own that thing. Get rid of it. Drives me nuts. Peel that off and fix it, would you? You're driving me crazy. If I come in your house, and there's a picture on the wall, and it's like this, I'm like, oh, gosh. So I'm going to look over here. I'm not going to look at that picture. So I'm going to be talking to you, and I'm like, over yeah, mm -hmm, yeah, that's great, awesome, you know, but the whole while I see this. It's in my head. 
And so I'm going to wait for you to get out of the room or do something, or I'm going to walk by and kind of like, ooh, you know, yeah. Oh, sorry, let me fix that for you. Yeah, well, I can relax now. Okay. Okay, no, I only share that with you because that's like, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a gift, all right? But, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> So the reason why I'm telling you that is because you see like there's areas of our life that we have these anxieties that we need to give to God and like, okay, God, I, I, I'm going to trust you in this area and stuff. And God, I'm not trying to make this thing happen any longer. I'm done. I'm not going to try and make it happen or not make it happen. I'm going to trust you in it because what we find is there's areas of our life that we want to get our hands on it because we know we can make it right. Just make it right, which is my right. Of course. <laughs> okay? And so when I surrender to God, and I'm like, it's your right. Because, see, I wouldn't even be here if it was Dave's right. I wouldn't be here. And so, like, I need to surrender that. doesn't matter how to balance it looks, feels, or how uncomfortable it is in the moment. Because there's a lot of stuff like that in life. But when I trust God and I get my eyes fixed on Him... Everything can still be out of whack, but I have peace. Man, thank you, God. Thank you, God. You ready for that? If you don't know Jesus, I want you to know he's your peace. He's it. If you don't know him, today's the day to know him. It doesn't matter if other Christians aren't living it in front of you. Forget them. I want you to know that Jesus is your peace. And I don't mean that disrespectful against any other Christians in the room. I'm just saying, like, look, man, let's look to him. He's the answer. Okay? Brothers and sisters, would you stand with me? And, and if you have, like, if you need Jesus, come. If you want to lay down your anxieties and fears, you can come. Um, if you want to surrender to the manipulation that you've been trying to make happen, you can come. Whatever God's doing, I want you to just come and give it to him. Okay? It's right here. So the altar's open. Come on forward if you want to. It's, uh, it's all between you and God right now, right? Fix your thoughts on Him and what He's doing. Let's, it's all yours, God. I surrender. Oh, God, thank you for your peace. Isn't it awesome how His peace comes when we say yes to Him? It's so amazing. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know why we're all here, God. You've called us. You know every person at this altar right now. And you know why they're here. You know what they're doing. And why they're doing it. And God, today... We just lay it here. <laughs> we've worried about stuff. We've been anxious about things. We've got all up involved in it. God, we surrender. And we surrender it to you as we trust in you. For you are amazing, God. Thank you. Thank you, God, for all you are doing in our lives. Thank you, God. Thank you. I trust you with all of my tomorrows. Thank you, God. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You trust him, church? Give it to him? Can we go out of here with like this hope and peace in us so that people do look at us and ask us what's going on? And then share Jesus with them, would you? All right, if you're at the altar, you don't have to leave, but be ready. God has it for you. Take it with you when you go. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here today. You're dismissed. Amen. Thank you.